Hey, tonight's really special because we're starting our winter uh, sermon series. Um, I realized that over the last five years, we've been doing a winter sermon series. Um, I just never called it a winter sermon series. So it's um, just after anniversary or just before spring. Um, we, we do a big series. It's a 12-week series. And this year, uh, we're going to be uh, studying the book of Romans. Um, and so I hope that um, you are excited about that. Um, to help with this, we really want you guys to get into the book of Romans. And so um, on Sundays, we're just going to be preaching through the book. Also to help with this, we've actually made a small booklet. And um, I know that for some of us, we're doing the um, Read Scripture app. And we want to continue to guys to encourage you guys to do that if you are doing that. Uh, but if not, if that's been a bit hard, then we've actually got a Romans reading uh, schedule, uh, which is not long. I'm like looking at this, and sometimes it's like three verses, so that's great. Um, but we really want you guys to read with us Romans as we uh, preach through Romans. And then during the week, during life groups, we're going to be studying Romans together as well. So as I said, uh, we're going to be really diving into Romans um, across all facets of our church. And so please, as you leave, uh, we'll hand one of these out to you. And so please get um, yourself nice and comfortable. There's some questions um, that you can ask yourself while you're reading the chapters. Um, and so there's a lot of good things in there. But as I do, um, as we do, um, when we start a new series, I always ask my wife to come and pray over the series because I believe that um, we really need to hear from God. You know, I think we really, really need to hear from God. And, and so we really need the Holy Spirit to just be in this place. So I'm going to invite my wife who looks like a teenager today. Teenage dirtbag baby. <laughs> Let's pray, church. Uh, Father God, we lift up the Roman series to you. Lord, we pray that you will anoint it, that you will use it powerfully in our lives. Uh, may the gospel take life in each of our... Um, may the gospel come to life. May it take deeper root in each of our lives. Lord, may it be powerful and mighty. May it change, convict, challenge, and really help us to conform to your ways. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Would you really open our ears, our hearts, our minds to you? Would you give us, give us a heart of flesh, Lord, that we may be receptive to your words, Lord? Speak loud and clear. Would you change us to be more like your son, Jesus? Um, yeah, and these things we pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, teenage wife. We're going to start in Romans 1, Romans 1, 1 to 17. Can we refrain from the awkward laughter from the back, please? It's always the same person, hey? Romans chapter 1, verse 1 to 17. I'm really believing I'm really, really, really believing that this Roman series is going to be uh, transformational. And so let's read. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, 
Through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Amen, amen, amen. You know, the the book of Romans, and I'm going to introduce it a little bit tonight, but the book of Romans is uh, a little bit heavy. Uh, very theological, okay? The word theology means study of God. Theo being God, ology being study. And sometimes when people read or they study the book of Romans, because it is very much so uh, heavy theological terminology and there's some hard words in there, um, sometimes we can fall into the trap of making Romans a, about knowledge and understanding rather than the living Word of God uh, imparting into us and transforming our lives. Uh, theology is important. Theology is very important. What you understand about God actually will determine how you live your life. And to say that, oh, I don't need theology, I just need Jesus. No, no, well, that's like saying, well, I, I just need marriage, but I don't actually need to know my wife. No, no, you you need to know it. Theology is important, but if theology doesn't translate into your life, then that just becomes empty words. People people say things like theology is too dry or it's not relevant. But but my my question, how how can that be? The more that, uh, it's like saying, you know, marriage is too dry. And it's not relevant. Understanding it, understanding why men are like this and women are like, like understanding that. No, no. The more you understand about marriage, you should appreciate your spouse more. You should love your spouse more. And that's what theology is. The more that we understand about God and who He is, it should not just puff up our heads, but it, it should actually draw our hearts closer to Him. For people that say that, you know, theology is too dry, well, most of the time, it's because it hasn't translated into their life. 
And I hope that through this series that it won't be just a study of God, but it will transform our lives. Chuck Swindoll, one great pastor in America, says this about the book of Romans. The letter to the Romans stands as the clearest and most systematic presentation of Christian doctrine in all Scripture. It's like a summary of what the whole Bible is all about in this one book. And I was thinking about how to introduce this book and, and sort of really get it out there so that you're like, wow, I really need to know this. Can I tell you? It's as simple as this. Romans will tell you, black and white, whether you are a Christian or not. It's as simple as that. If you are unsure about your faith, about what you worship, about where your allegiance lies in this world, the book of Romans will lay that out for you. And I think that's exciting because I actually think that there are a lot of people, even in the church, that their faith is actually built on very airy-fairy thoughts. You know, Jesus loves me this, I know, for the Bible tells him so. You don't even know where it says that in the Bible. You know, like, sadly, a lot of us who have grown up in our parents' churches, our faith has not been built on strong biblical belief, but actually just what I heard. What I'm hoping that in the next 12 weeks, as we study the book of Romans, first and foremost, is to question your faith. Question what you believe. Question your eternal destination. If I get into your face, I'm doing my job. If I make you uncomfortable over this series, great. You can send me an email to Stephen, pastorstephendoesncare.com. You know, like, you know, like you send that to me, okay? I want to get into your face because I think that's what the book of Romans does. It's going to clarify to you what you really believe, what you should be believing. Now, I want to break down this first introduction uh, of chapter one into three sections, the man, the, me the mission, and the message. And as, as I do that, hopefully we will introduce uh, the book of Romans to you. Firstly, uh, the man, verse one. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Now, the author of this book is a man named Paul. Now, Paul was a Jewish teacher who one day was transformed with his uh, meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ. He met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and, and through this supernatural experience. And from that time, instead of destroying the church, he went to build churches. And Paul is known as the first missionary, uh, the one that took the gospel of Jesus, the, the story of Jesus, the message of Jesus out of Jerusalem, out of the Jewish people, out of the Israelites, into the rest of the world. Okay? This is who Paul is. Uh, so Paul uh, takes three missionary journeys, and he starts planning small Jesus communities all around the Mediterranean region. Without Paul, the gospel... Uh, would not have spread outside of Jerusalem as it, as it did through Paul. Now, there are three things that we know about Paul. There's a lot more. Paul wrote two-thirds of, uh, of the New Testament. But the three things that we learn through verse 1 is, firstly, A, uh, he's a servant of Jesus Christ, meaning that he does not live his life for himself, but he lives it for a master, the master being Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is writing this letter. Uh, Paul is writing this letter in prison, okay? Okay. 
and there's, as I said, I, I wish I had like, you know, five sermons to talk about who Paul was and why, but we're just going to fly through this part. But you don't understand, he has given up his right to live for whatever he, he wants to live. And I think this is so important because so many people, and, and one of the in, most interesting questions I, I, I hear from Christian people is asking them, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I want. And I think, mm, I think the reason why you're struggling to find an answer with that is because as Christians, it's the wrong question. As Christians, we are servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the question isn't, what do you want or what should I do in my life? But the question is, what does the Lord Jesus want for me? I have seen so many people, especially people in their 20s and in their early 30s, that struggle to find purpose and, and, and identity in their life because they're asking themselves the wrong question. People are like, I don't know what I want. And it's like, who cares about what you want? If you're loving Jesus, if you're living for Him, you've got to work out what He wants. And Paul states that straight from the beginning. He's a servant of Christ Jesus. Secondly, he's called to be an apostle. Called, not driven, but called. He didn't make up his mind and go, I'm going to live for Jesus. No, no, Jesus called him. That's the beauty of our relationship. God calls us. You know, you're in this room tonight, not because you thought, you know, this is a great idea. I'm going to turn up to church. No, no, no. God, in his almighty sovereign plan, he called you. He called you. And you're here because of him. Now, uh, Paul's been called to be an apostle. An apostle is defined as an ambassador or messenger commissioned to carry out the instruction of the commissioning agent. And that's what Paul's doing. He's a messenger. That's all he's doing. That's what it means to be an apostle. It means to be a messenger to carry out instruction. Okay? And, and, and the commissioning agent for Paul is Jesus. Thirdly, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul declares, this is his first introduction. He's like, hi, my name's Paul, and I am set apart for the gospel of God. He declares that his life is set apart. It's made different for the sake of the gospel of God. And throughout the rest of Romans, you're going to understand, Paul is going to talk about this gospel over and over again. So that's the man, Paul. Secondly, the mission. Now, as I said, the book of Romans is a letter, not a textbook. Not a study guide, it's a letter, okay? You can't read Romans as a theological textbook. You've got to read Romans as a letter written by Paul to a bunch of Christians, okay? Now, people are like, what's a letter, okay? Well, it's like an email, but you write it with your hand, and instead of the internet delivering it, the postman delivers it. And you might be like, What's a postman? Go onto your internet and then you can look that up on Google. Paul, his mission, his mission was to write to the Christians in Rome. You ever realize why it's called Romans? Okay? Okay, Th these aren't just made up words, right? I, it, it blew my mind that uh, when, when I was young, I, when I found out that if Ephesus, which is, you know, based on, not based on, but that's the letter that Paul writes to the Ephesians was a real place. Do you know what? So is Rome. Rome is the capital city of what country? Italy. Impressive, Albert Chang. I expected that from you, Ian, but I'm impressed, Albert Chang. Hmm. 
Paul writes this letter to Christians in Rome. And I'm not even going to go into who the Christians are in Rome because there's a mixture of Jewish Christians and, and Gentile Christians. And, but, but his mission was to write this letter to encourage, teach, and guide the Christians there because he couldn't get there. Right? Now, why is, why, why is Rome so important? I don't know if you've watched the movie Gladiator, one of my favorite movies. Um, Rome is the epicenter. At that time, Rome is the epicenter of all power in what we know as the Western world. Okay? So Rome was the most powerful city in the area. And, 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 and because the Roman Empire was the power in charge, all influence, politics, and culture came out of Rome. And so Paul was so keen to, to speak to the Christians in Rome because there was so much influence coming out of Rome. Verse 8, first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. So the believers of Jesus that started in Jerusalem, that went to Judea, and that went to Samaria, and then now are going to the ends of the earth. Some of these Christians have ended up in Rome. Okay, it's not a big church. Okay, it's just a small band of believers. Okay. And this is who Paul is writing to. Verse 11, I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you in order that I may have a harvest among you just as, as I have had among other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. This is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. He wants to encourage them. He wants to teach them. He wants them to know more about who this Jesus that they worship is. So that's Paul's mission. And finally, the message. Now, the message is the rest of the book of Romans. But the message can be summarized in the verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith alone. Commentators say, these really smart academics who have studied the book of Romans, they say that the whole 16 chapters of Romans can be summarized in these two verses. That these two are the theme verses of the whole book of Romans. It's the summary verse. It's the, it's the key verse in all of Romans because this is, what, this is the summary of what Paul is going to expand on for the rest of the 16 chapters. It's all about the gospel of of Jesus Christ. The word gospel means good news. Good news. So as much as we think that gospel is a spiritual word, no, no, no. You can have the gospel of Powerball. The good news that you have won whatever million dollars it was, 50 million. You can have the gospel of Sydney University. The good news that you're an amazing person because you are attending Sydney University. 
which is not the best university in Sydney because the University of New South Wales is. Amen. That's in the Bible. I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible. Who's booing? KJ? I'm not even going to ask which TAFE you came out of, brother. Jokes. 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 For the Jew and the Gentile. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the key. You can't go, Christianity is just about the gospel. Yes, it's about good news, but you've got to be like, well, good news from who? Don't separate those two terms. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul describes the gospel as good news because of three things. And I want to really hone in on these three things. They all come out of verse 16. Firstly, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because why? It is the power of God. It is the power of God. One of the misunderstandings and misconceptions that the world has about Christianity, and I actually think some even Christians have about our own faith and what we believe is that our faith is soft. Because we really emphasize loving each other and caring for each other. These seem like very sort of feminine things that we need to be doing. But, but actually, what we believe in is about a power that is not uh, that, that you cannot compare to anything in this world with. It is a greater authority and power than any power in this world. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. We don't go, oh, you know, I believe in Jesus and it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. And, you know, okay, th there is that element of it. But sometimes we need to understand that when you believe in the name of Jesus, in the gospel of Jesus, in the good news of Jesus, it's not just about the fuzzy and the wuzzy. It's about the power. It's about the fire and brimstone. It's about having these crazy, this crazy backing of this amazing God right behind us. The gospel is not weak. That's like saying Jesus was weak when he was hanging on the cross. Jesus, if you were strong, why didn't you come down? No, no, it's the opposite. Jesus was so strong that even during that time, he just remained there. The gospel is the power of God. Too many people go, oh yeah, gospel, here we go. We're talking about the gospel again. Gospel of Jesus Christ. No, no, no. It's not an add-on, some nice polish that you can put on your car. It's not an extra cushion that you can put on your bed so that it makes your neck feel better at night when you sleep. No, the gospel is the power of God. Secondly, it's the power of God that brings salvation. It brings salvation. Right? It saves us. I'm going to get into what, what, what we need saving from. And thirdly, to everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then to the Gentile. Okay, all of us in this room, I'm going to go out there on a limb, pretty sure, but we're all Gentiles. If you're a Jew, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure you're a Gentile. This is the message 
Now, this is going to go over and over again through all of Romans. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So if this gospel is available for everyone, and it's the idea that we get saved through the power of God, the question that I want to ask tonight is, what are we being saved from? Why do we need saving? So we have a lot of problems in this world that we need saving from. We have hunger issues in the world. We have people dying of hunger. We have the problem of violence. We have the problem of racism. And then bring it more home. Some of us, we have financial problems. Some of us, we have emotional problems. Some of us, we have broken relationship issues. But there's one problem that goes beyond all of these problems. And that is our sin problem. The biggest problem that we have is not that we have a broken relationship with our husband. Uh, it's not that, that we have you know, debt, you know, that we maxed out our credit cards. It's not that you know, you're single, you know, you're ready to mingle, but no one wants to mingle with you. That's not your biggest problem. You might think that's your biggest problem, You might think that you, you might think that man, I, I got exams on Tuesday. That is my biggest problem. But what I want to tell you is, no, no, no. Th th there's actually a, a problem that that is greater than this, because every one of those problems that I talked about just then, do you know when that problem is solved? When you die. When you die, every problem that I mentioned, that's it. But the problem of sin which comes from the problem of our broken relationship with God himself. See, the reason why that one's the greatest problem is because after we die, the consequence of that will continue into our eternity. This is the problem, that our relationship with God is broken because of our sin and the reason why we need to understand that, that we need to address this issue is because every other problem that you have, trust me, when you die, it will disappear. You know, I got a problem of debt. It's called hex, right? It's a big problem. It's like $90,000. And I'm still not like the number one. James Jang, thanks, buddy. I thought I had a problem. James Jang's got an even bigger problem. I, you're at 100000 Hey, he's at at least ninety five. He's higher than me. His brother's also very high too. They're not even allowed to leave the country. Jokes, I don't know why. I got a $90,000 debt problem. But you know what? When I die, I'm going to take that debt. I'm going to take it with me to the grave. And I'm going to be like, so long, suckers. <laughs> Paying, you know, never pay that off. Every problem you have has an end date either when you solve it or when you die. But the problem of the broken relationship that we have with God, that's actually when you really will start to pay the consequence of it. Paul's going to expand this idea. He's going to go through and he's going to hammer this idea of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. You know, Romans, like 
a lot of sermons, a lot of Bible studies that we do, they use Romans as as references. You know, like you hear story, you know, verses like, you know, all have fallen short of the glory of God. You know, like all of sin have fallen short of the glory of God. That's in Romans. Okay? Uh, you know, nothing can separate us from the Lord. That's in Romans. You know? All of these things, you're gonna, we're going to go through them. You know, oh, this is where it comes from. Because Paul has laid it out that this is your problem. Here's the solution, that is Jesus Christ. But as I said, if this becomes about information and not about transformation, you've missed the point. The gospel is not just good, is, is not just a good message for some bad people. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only message that can bring dead people alive. People who are spiritually dead because of their sinfulness, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, this is the message, the greatest message that we have. And it's the only way that we can be made right with God. And that's the whole theme of our Roman series this year, right with God. How do we become right with God? Because only when we are right with God can we be right with other people or right with this world or right in our families. Only when we are right with God first. Verse 17, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And here's the beauty of it. I, don't, I can't, I, we could sit here for hours. You can't, I could. The beauty about this gospel is that it's not about what you do, but it's about what you believe. Faith. That's what faith is. It's about what you believe. See, the thing is, you cannot buy a right standing with God. You cannot earn a right standing with God. It's something that you have to believe was done for you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not what you do. But here's the thing, when we have faith in Jesus, when we believe in what Jesus has done for us, then that would then affect the way we live. Now, listen very carefully. Works do not determine your faith. Works do not determine your right standing with God. But your faith, in what you believe will determine what your life looks like. Paul's going to go on and on and on about that. It's all about what we believe. Paul, who's writing a letter to the believers in Rome, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And there's this phrase in verse 16 that I want to finish up with. And it says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. The word ashamed doesn't just mean he wanted to hide away from it. But when Paul says, I am not ashamed, he, he's literally saying, I am proud. I am proud 
of the gospel. I am proud. Later in his writings, Paul's going to say things like, the gospel is the only thing that he can boast in. The gospel is the only thing that he has. And I wonder how many of us tonight could really say that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I wonder how many of us have been coming to church and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is just a nice slogan or a nice hashtag that we like to put on our pictures or our, our Instagram. You know, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is just what we put on our fridge magnets. We wear them on our T-shirts. I wonder how many of us not just know the gospel, but the gospel is alive and transforming us on a day-to-day basis. I wonder how many of us are unapologetically sharing this gospel with those around us who still have a broken standing with God. I think the saddest part about, uh, about some of our churches today is that we've become so culturally sensitive. You aren't allowed to call a girl bossy anymore. I don't know if you've read this, but it just came out. But you're not allowed to call a young girl bossy. You have to call them executive leadership skills. <laughs> like, we, the, the world has become crazy. Like the things that we can and can't say. But sadly, I feel like that's coming to the church. And suddenly the church is becoming too sensitive in what we can and can't say. But let me tell you, friends, that once the church... One says the church, we lose this phrase, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and what that means, and can be offensive. If we compromise to that, then what we're saying is, well, we are ashamed of the gospel, and we're not proud of it. But what Paul says, I am not ashamed. You know, my prayer is that as we go through this book, as we study the words of God, the living words of God, first and foremost, that, that you would understand and, and you would question even the, the foundational elements of your faith, that it will rattle what you believe. As said, we're going to get right into your grill. But my goal is by the end of these 12 weeks that we could come back to this verse. And just like Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. That we can make that declaration for our own and to really believe that in our hearts. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Amen. Let's pray.